Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You will also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Hello, I'm Graham Hunter. Welcome to The Big Interview. Today, six years into this series, I welcome my final guest of the 2021 season. And I think we're going out on a high. This is a newly crowned champion of England. And if you're listening to this on the week of its release, he's preparing for a Champions League final with Manchester City. It's this tournament, the Champions League, that I wanted to talk about when I met Ilkay Gundogan over a Zoom call. In this first part of our chat, we got into his history with his competition. Starting as a fan, somebody I knew was absolutely devoted to European football and the Champions League in the same way that I am. And then a Borussia Dortmund footballer who learned the hard way that there's something different, something special about the Champions League. I'm very grateful indeed to Kin Partners, to Arif Onur Ilhan and to Alex at Manchester City for helping us meet Ilkay Gundogan and helping you to listen to him on the big interview. He's special. Big interview, uh, listeners, we're very fortunate um, today. Not because we've got um, an impending Champions League finalist, not simply because we've got a brilliant footballer, nor even that we've got one of today's uh, champions of England. But in Ilkay Gundogan, we're talking to somebody who apparently adores football just as much as all of us. First of all, Ilkay, thank you for taking the time um, to stop and speak to us, but have I represented you correctly that football isn't just a profession for you, it's something that really you love deeply and that's it's in your soul? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure for me. So really appreciate it. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, everyone who loves the game, who loves football, I think uh, can associate with it. Um, me, I, I grew up with it. It's 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 in my family. Um, I think I'm privileged to have an older brother, who I always was able to look up to, and uh, try to compete with him when he was uh, uh, playing as well. So it's just in the family, you know. Like since I am able to 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 think, um, I know that football was always there, and. Um, 
now being able to yeah uh kind of <laughs> kind of uh live my life um in such a privileged way um is just incredible to me uh, it means so much to me uh, to my family and uh, what football has 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 given me in life in general um is just uh, incredible to me Can try and help transmit some of the passion that you felt at young age to to our audience because again something that we share is just this complete love adoration of the Champions League. I'm not certain I can explain it, but ever since I grew up in a place called Aberdeen in Scotland, and one of the first foreign teams we ever played against was Eintracht Frankfurt early 70s, and all I felt was this is a different rival. This is a foreign team. I have to see if the team that I love could beat them. What are they like? How do they move? How do they dress? Why do they look different? All this kind of stuff. And from that day until this, football in Europe, that's why I moved from Scotland and England to live in Barcelona. But for you, try and transmit, what was it like watching Champions League football once you began to be conscious of it? And given where you lived, who were you supporting? Because if the house was a little bit split between Gala and Fener. And maybe, I don't know if Bastok was catching your eye for Leverkusen in, in, in that brilliant topsy season. Tell us about an, a Champions League night for you when you're a young kid going, I love this. You know, I actually talked a couple of days about it and about how much the Champions League means, means to me, to my family in general. I remember nights, of course, midweek nights, you know, um, the whole family getting together We are in our apartment, uh, which was obviously not not the biggest one because uh, we were we were not rich, but um, you know, like everyone uh, was coming from everywhere. My uh, grandparents were there, my auntie, my uncles, uh, my cousins, of course, my parents, my brother, and me. So we were always, or we were trying at least, always to come together. And, and of course, in the Turkish culture, it's quite common, you know, like the, all, all the family comes always together uh, for, for these kind of events. Um, and because we loved football so much, it gave us also the opportunity, you know, to, to come even more often together because of all the games that we were able to watch together, because of the team we were supporting together. Um, mainly in our family, we had uh, Galatasaray supporters or we have Galatasaray supporters. Um, the only one is my mom. She's Fenerbahce. Uh, with a big influence from her dad. Um, but yeah, in general, um, these European nights, they meant so much to us. It was so big, maybe because it was also so far away, because you have mentioned that you play, your team plays against um, against teams from all over Europe. And it just seems so big, you know, um, that uh, it was always, and it's still so magical to me and uh, means so much to me. And, you know, being now part of it, you know, playing in the Champions League, which was always for me, like the ultimate, the ultimate target, you know, like the ultimate achievement. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, you can probably, you can probably tell uh, in the way I speak about it, how much, how much it means to me. It, it's in your eyes and it's in your smile, but look at me, this is, I mean, I'm nearly 60 and it still does the same with me. And I never played in the competition, so we share something. Going back to then, with the family huddled around the television, everybody elbow room for the best seat, 
Maybe some dips, I don't know. Maybe some lemonade, I don't know. But we're not enough seats. We were sitting. Some some had to sit on the floor, so <laughs> we didn't have that much space. But that was okay. That was all right. It, it feels it feels more like a community then. It, I guess it feels more like it used to feel in a football ground with everybody packed in together and shouting. And no, that wasn't. Yes, that was. Which 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 night? Which game? Which player? Or, or repeatedly, what were the ones that stick in your mind right now? There, there is actually one one moment that I will never forget in my life, and that was not the Champions League night. It was actually an UEFA Cup night. But as you as you know, Galatasaray won the UEFA Cup in 2000 um, by beating Arsenal in the in the final. Actually, um, you know, and it was so surprising and such a such a moment that no one really expected um, and you know like we came all together with the family again uh, going into the penalties having like 120 minutes penalties and then I remember Popescu scoring the last penalty for Galatasaray um, which meant uh, the win of the UEFA Cup and I especially remember my one of my youngest uncle uncle um, sitting in the living room uh, being on the floor um, cry, starting to cry uh, because of uh, the happiness and the joy, and we were all hugging each other. It was like it was it was a celebration. It was a party, um, and uh, it was such a nice moment in, in in my childhood. I was just nine, I think nine or ten, um, and it was uh, just an incredible evening, just an incredible night. Were you already? really comfortable with football by then. Were you comfortable enough with a football that you were also looking around your living room that day going, look what football can do to people. Look look at the, the grip it has on their emotions and when something goes well, the effect it has on people. I don't really think that I was much aware of it in that moment because I was still so young. Um, but obviously now looking back, you know, um, It kind of, I don't know, it kind of feels even more special right now, just the memory, memory itself, you know. Um, you know, just having, having that in your mind, uh, what happened that night, that it's also something unfor unforgettable. Um, I think probably it means now even more to me than it, than it did in that, in that moment. Um, and I think that, is, that, that makes it even more special because now I can even understand more what was going on, you know, what was going on, especially in my uncle's mind or my parents, the older one's minds, because I was still so young. And of course, I was supporting my team and there was passion. But um, I'm sure in that moment, I didn't know to appreciate that moment enough. Uh, and now looking back, it feels completely different. Um, and, you know, just having that memory that I will never forget in my life. Um, it's just uh, precious, I think. Before the rest of this big interview, I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter, or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks.
I'm lucky enough because I've lived for 20 years in Barcelona, but for other reasons too, to have interviewed Pep Guardiola a lot of times. And Alex will tell you that I interviewed him, I, I think, yesterday. And one of the questions I asked him was, because I listened to him talking about it, and obviously I want to ask you if you feel the same. When Pep talks about the Champions League as a competition, he talks about it like a living, breathing creature. Uh, it's not just a competition. And he's talking about the, the, the tests he had and the disappointments and successes he had as a footballer and as a coach. And it's always been my impression that people don't listen to him enough. He, he says it's difficult to get out of the group. It's difficult to win the competition. Tiny little details, tiny margins. And I want to apply that to your... I, I think I have it right in that your first two games in this competition that we both love, the Champions League, were in Greece and Olympiacos in a defeat and in Marseille a defeat with a very, very, very good Dortmund side and a very good coach. And I'm trying to suggest to you that the Champions League can be a really difficult, nasty lover sometimes. It it doesn't always smile on you. Sometimes it can really... And I don't know what those two first two games felt like to you after being so big to play in the competition and then suddenly bash against Olympiacos, bash against Marseille. Yeah, um, I, I I remember that. I remember that uh, first season that I was uh, that I was playing in the Champions League with that really good Dortmund side. I mean, we had uh, some really talented boys in our team, and uh, everyone was expecting us to do well. Maybe surprisingly to uh, to proceed quite far, and probably it was for 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 ninety ninety five. Maybe for all of us, the, our first Champions League season ever. Um, and it just hit us like um, like like a bus, I guess. Um, you know, it was so so difficult, even though we were really looking forward to it. Um, it was so difficult to expect something, if that makes sense. Uh, we didn't we didn't really know what was coming, what to expect, how to deal with it. So it was a completely new new experience for us, a completely new situation. Um, and as it is sometimes in life, um, you face a new challenge and sometimes you might, you might do really well in the beginning and then maybe, um, I don't know, um, having problems afterwards, um, or you struggle straight away and you still need a bit time to adapt, to adapt to the, to the, to the challenge itself, you know, to, to adapt yourself, um, to it. So we did really bad in the beginning. We did really bad uh, in our first Champions League season with Dortmund. Um, and I don't think we can blame us because at the end of the day, um, I don't think that we should regret anything. It was just, um, we were just not ready to, 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 to face these European teams, even though they were maybe on the same level as, as, as us. But um, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes you need experience. Sometimes you need to, 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 to smell, to feel, you know, how it, how it is to be on the pitch, you know, playing in that competition, play, um, flying away, staying over a couple of nights somewhere else, um, playing in the evening in front of crowds that are just incredible, you know, and uh, stadiums that are um, full of emotions. So it was, it was a new, new, completely new experience. And uh, I guess we, we, we really had to adapt and we really had to go through this frustration of um, not doing well in the first Champions League season we had. Um, and 
as it turned out, the season after, it uh, it was probably necessary as well. Do, do you think in that area you're talking about about new experiences for a footballer, say in the Champions League? Do you think that psychology is the main word? That, that psychology is like a muscle. You can't go to the gym to train it, but, but each month, each year, I, I think when I look at the, the top players. Often the character is there, often the ability is there. They have a great coach, they have beautiful facilities, everything is done for them. But the psychology and, and processing things and being ready for things is like a muscle. Is that true? Do you think I'm wrong? How do you assess that? No, I think you are spot on. Um, psychological psychological is, a, is, a, is a very big part in, 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 in football, in our job, especially when it comes to that level, you know. Um, it's just it's just incredible how much influence just your mind, the way uh, your mindset, the way you think, your attitude can have uh, and which impact it can have also whether you're successful or not. Um, there are really fine margins at the end of the day and... Um, Somehow, you know, you need to try to get in control of that. I mean, just a simple example. Sometimes me ahead of ahead of games, um, I'm I'm so nervous that um, I really need to try to find a way to calm down and you know to 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 handle that feeling of being nervous because um, at the end of the day, it's something that we might need, you know, this, 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 this feeling of, of having nerves, you know, the tension that you have, that you feel inside as an athlete. Um, I mean, I really believe that this forces you at the end also to, um, to try to do as good as possible, you know. Um, on the other side, the margin is very fine because when, you're, when you have too much of it, it can also scare you. It can increase the fear inside yourself. Um, so that you're not able maybe to, 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 to play your best possible game. So it's, it's really uh, up to sometimes to get in control of that um, and especially also to use it, to use it in your favor. I asked your coach yesterday about whether you know that mm, Pep Guardiola is not a guy who looks backwards a lot. It's always forward, go forward. So I was nervous a little bit to ask him if there was anything he could take from Wembley in 2011, which was the last time he played and he coached the Champions League final, lifted the trophy, etc. But he gave a really good answer. He said, I remember what we felt like then. And obviously, I'm going to ask you about your Wembley experience with Borussia Dortmund and scoring and Bayern Munich. The match is gone now. But he learned a lot. He said we were... For, in the first game for Barcelona against Manchester United in Rome, we weren't ready, we were tired, there were players missing, we didn't know. He said before the Wembley game against Manchester United, he said, we knew. We arrived right, we were prepared, the mood was good. When you look back at Bayern Munich against Borussia Dortmund at Wembley, can you take things forward to, to what's coming for you from that experience? I'm not sure, to be honest, because um, I... Personally, when I when I try to think back about that time, and I mean, it's already eight years ago, so it's not a not a short time. It's quite uh, quite long ago, to be honest. But I definitely remember that me personally, I felt myself in a in a very good condition when I when I arrived in that uh, into that Champions League final. Um, I think we had a good season. Or we didn't win the league, but uh, I think we had we had a good season. Um, Especially in the Champions League, we were doing great, you know, and we were full of confidence. Um, and I don't know, I just remember being being in a good condition. And 
I think at the end of the day, the game showed it as well. I mean, it was a very tight game. Um, okay, we lost, but um, maybe with a little bit more luck, we would we would we would have been able to to win. I think I remember we started the game really well in the first half. We had a couple of really good chances to score the first goal at least. Um, yeah, but it was not it was not meant to be at the end. I I couldn't say right now um, that there was something in our behavior or in the in the in the way we approached the game that was wrong. I I couldn't really tell. What I know right now is that, especially with uh, with winning the league already um, a few days ago, um, and then also having that Newcastle game afterwards, where we, which was like an incredible game by by conceding also three goals, which was very unusual for us for this season. Now again the 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 game away at Brighton, again conceding three goals. It's it, it feels kind of normal that. Uh, Maybe the tension dropped a little bit after winning the league. Uh, the pressure dropped also a little bit. But I know that, you know, like we should really use these games and also now the la having the last league game um, on Sunday against Everton, we should really use that game um, not maybe to win because this is something that comes automatically at the end, but to approach the game the same way We approached the games in the in, in the season, in the whole season, and also we the, the same way we want to approach that final. Because I do believe that this is the only way of, of, of being successful in that final, to win that final. So our final doesn't, or the preparations for the final, they don't really start after the Everton game. They already started a couple of weeks ago or 10 days ago when 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 United um, lost at, at home... Um, The game against Leicester and uh, we were champions. Really, the the preparations for the Champions League final started on that on that day, um, and that's how I really see it and how I do believe that uh, this is the only way of, of 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 winning that final as well. Thank you. For listening to the big interview, it's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here end of the lesson. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.